0: Good morning, everybody, and you know uh, the story continues. You know that God uh, continued to uh, do an incredible work in Josh's life, and uh, you know, he's another life that's been changed and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. Earlier this week, as I was preparing, and I was preparing for the message today to talk to you, as we're in this series, in the book of Philemon, this, this series called Changed. We're talking about changed lives, and and I know that Josh Hamilton's life has been changed. I want to tell you this. Whenever I encountered Jesus Christ, and I encountered His grace and His forgiveness, I'm telling you, He transformed and changed my life. And I know that some of you have encountered Christ in such a way that, that Jesus has changed you. And uh, as I was preparing this week, as I was getting ready, and as I knew that I was going to be playing this video, and even this morning in the first service, decided to go ahead and just offer this to you at this point. There are some of you that you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And I'm not going to wait till I get to the very end of the message to, to make this offer to you this morning. But but Jesus wants to change your life right now. He wants to to give you an opportunity to place your faith in Him for eternal life. And what I want to do is I want to ask you right now, if you would just bow your heads with me. Let's just bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And just as Jesus changed the life of Josh Hamilton and so many other people... So many people right here in this room, you've encountered Christ in a real way and He's changed you. He's saved you. There are some of you and maybe you've been a church member. Maybe you've grown up in church. Maybe you've been religious your whole life. But you've never come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You've never experienced that transformation that He gives us whenever He forgives us of all of our sin. He sets our eternity forever with Him because of His forgiveness. For some of you that you would say, I've been running, Bart. I've been running from Jesus my whole life. Or I've been playing like I'm a Christian. I've been acting this certain way. But, but but I'm telling you, Pastor Bart, today I just want to confess that I need Jesus. I'm so ready for Jesus to be my Savior. I'm tired of my life the way that it is without Christ. I can't do this anymore. If that's you this morning, you'd say, Pastor Bart, and we had those in the first service that they trusted Christ as their Savior just as I'm offering to you right now. You'd say, I am ready to receive Jesus as my Savior. I'm ready for my life to be changed. I want to reach out in faith to Jesus. Would you just lift your hands up right now and just say, that's me, Pastor Bart. Would you just pray with me right now? Is there anybody this in here this morning that you'd say, I just want to pray about that? Well, let me just pray for us. God, I love you. I thank you that you are in the life-changing business. God, I thank you that Lord, you've transformed my life. I thank you, Father, that even in the first service this morning, there were those that called out upon you to be their Savior. Lord, they trusted You in faith. And I just praise Your holy name, God, that, that, Lord, it's not by anything that that we do. It's not by our performance. It's not by things that we can try to make You love us more than You already do. Lord, You have accepted us. You have loved us. Lord, You have cleansed us because of Your blood. And I thank You, Lord, that our lives have been changed by You. We praise You today, God, for what You're doing in our church, for what You're doing in our lives. And we lift this up before You in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. All right, that's not the end of the message. Okay. All right. Just in case. Well, I want to welcome you. Some of you are thinking that is the shortest message he's ever preached. No, uh, we're still going to go. All right. Uh, Welcome to the second week of our series called Changed. If you have your your notes, go ahead and grab them. I encourage you to take some notes today. believe i have a message that god has for you today that is going to encourage your hearts it's going to challenge you we're in the second the 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 second uh, part of this series as we're looking in the book of philemon please go ahead and turn in your bibles there to the book of Philemon, it's a tiny little book, it's kind of in the back part of the New Testament there, uh, next to Hebrews and Titus, and so I encourage you to go ahead and turn there with me. Now I told you last week that Josh Hamilton was going to be here with us, and I, I went ahead and fessed up that it was going to be by video, but uh, I'm glad that you got to hear his story if you've not heard that already, about what the Lord has done in his life, and we know that, uh, that he's also gone on to do some pretty awesome things in baseball, and what an incredible story of God's redemption, right? Change, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about being changed by the power of Christ. And that's why we started our church. That's why we started EBC. That's why God put that on our hearts to start this church years ago, is that we want to see people's lives transformed by the power of Jesus. We want to see not just a bunch of religious people. We don't want to see a religious gathering just where people come together and nobody's any different than they were whenever they first encountered Christ. We want to see Jesus transform people's lives. And so as we're looking through this book of Philemon, what I love about this little book is that it is a book that is filled with life change. It's a short little book, but you can see that there were some some men who have encountered Christ in a powerful way, and the Lord Jesus Christ changed their lives, just as He has changed many of you. Now, there is no doubt that life really is all about what we'll call perspective this morning. The way that you look at life, or the way that you see life, and I wanted to say that we're going to talk about how the Lord changes our life, in the way that we look at things around us, in the way that we see things that are happening in our life. And I know this is just in the first service this morning that there are some of you that are going through some of the most difficult times that you've ever faced in your life. And I don't want you to think this morning that I'm saying this to you in any way, that I'm saying you just need to get over it or, or, you know, or, or, or quit whining about it. I'm not saying anything like that this morning. What I want to challenge you with this morning is that as a believer, you have a couple of ways that you can look at the things that are going on within your life. You have a choice in the way that you're going to encounter life You have a way that you can choose to live life to the fullest intentionally, no matter what your circumstances may be, or you can choose to live with constant worry and anxiety and negativity and all these other things that go along with that way of living. But the choice is up to you as a believer because the power of Jesus Christ has been made available to everyone who is a Christian. You have that power through the Holy Spirit. So how do you see life? What is your perspective on life? This morning, I, I recently heard about a company that held an inter office softball game, and they held this game every single year. They would get together and this was a big competition that they would have within their company where the, the, the marketing uh, team, the people who are on the marketing team in this larger company they would take on the support staff every year. I mean this was something that was really big to this company. They would get together and have this softball game at their company picnic and And on this one year, the support staff just whipped the marketing team like they'd never whipped them before. I mean, they they nearly run-ruled them. It was so bad. The, the, The marketing team hardly scored any runs. It was not a close game. I mean, it was just they pummeled them. And so the marketing department decided that in their humiliation, they'd been humbled before the whole company there. They decided that they would demonstrate how they really earned their keep around the company. And what they were really good at. And so, and so they decided to post this memo on the bulletin board a few days after the big game, and this was their spin on the circumstance and on, uh, that they had encountered. They said this. They said, the marketing department is pleased to announce that we came in second place in the recent softball season after losing only one game all year. The support department, however, had a rather dismal season in that they only won one game all season. You see, one of the things that I'm learning about life and that I'm learning because I'm on the journey with you in this is that life is really all about the way that you choose to look at it. It's it's how you choose to look at the things that are happening in your life. What is your perspective on the things that are going on around you? How do you see the things in your life? And that's a question that I want to pose to you this morning because, again, I know some of you are going through some really tough stuff right now. And this isn't a just kind of get-over-it message or anything like this. This is something to challenge you to begin to maybe seeing some things differently for the first time than maybe you've seen them in some time now. What is it that God is trying to teach you in the midst of what you're dealing with? And what is your outlook in life? What is your perspective based upon the, cho- the choice that you have to either trust God or not trust God? I was talking to one of the men uh, before the first service started this morning. And I was just asking him how things were going in his life. And it was right before service, and it was really interesting. He said, man, things are kind of tough in my business right now. It's just a slower time and, the, and slower part just because of the season that we're in. But he said, Bart. He said, one of the things that I know that the Lord has taught me is this: is I can either choose to worry, and that is a choice that I have. I can worry about all of this stuff, and I can fret, and I can live in anxiety. And this is how I can either choose that, or my other choice is to trust God in the midst of this and to know that God's got this. And it was just interesting because I said, that's really neat that you say that today, because I'm 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 preaching on this today. In fact, maybe you ought to preach the message because it sounds like you're doing pretty well in this department. And he said, it's just something. It's just the truth. Either either we trust God or we don't, right? I mean, either we believe that God's in control or He's in charge of all of this stuff. Even when all of this stuff that we're dealing with doesn't make a lick of sense and we're thinking, how is this ever going to work out? Guys, as believers, either we trust Him or we don't. And that's what it boils down to. So, again, what is your outlook? And if you missed last week, I want to just catch you up to speed. Some of you, maybe you missed last week, or maybe maybe you were here last week, but you just didn't catch some of the details of what we were talking about. For you to understand this book, it's so important that you understand the context. It's, un- it's, it's important that you understand uh, what's, what, what's happening if you're going to catch these points today. So let me just really quick give you just a quick review. Uh, and, and those of you who were here last week, maybe you already know the answers, and you can speak those answers out loud and impress the people around you if you want to, although that's all in perspective as well, okay? Uh, and if they'll think that, that, uh, that you're impressive. Well, just a few questions for us to understand the context of Philemon, all right? Who was it that wrote this letter, uh, this, this little letter? Who wrote the book? Do you know who wrote it? Who wrote it? It was the Apostle Paul, right? Okay, he is the author of this great little personal letter. Uh, where did Paul write this book? Anybody remember? Paul wrote this from a Roman prison, all right, now, I can't remember if I told you this last week. I think that I did, but he wrote this somewhere between 58 and 62 A.D., okay? Not long after the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ a few years down the road. Paul at this time was probably in his mid to late 50s. Uh, now, he calls himself an old man. I don't know exactly what that means, but I know that that, that Paul is indicating that this uh, that he was an old man, that he was beaten down. He had been through a lot of stuff. By the way, if you're in your mid 50s, I'm not calling you Paul, I'm not calling you old Paul. Might be, but I'm not. Okay, and again, all in perspective. Now, now this this should be easy. Who was this letter written to? It was written to a man named Philemon, right? Okay. Now, who was Philemon? Philemon was a wealthy slave owner because slavery at this time was something that was very prevalent. Paul is going to uh, kind of begin to challenge Philemon about the way that he looks at at, uh, at Onesimus. And he was a slave owner. Now, he came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul, we know, was instrumental in sharing Christ with Philemon. And so Philemon has had his life changed by Jesus. Now, one of the things that we know about Philemon because of this book is that Philemon also hosted a little church inside his house. He had a church house it was one of the first life groups that ever met right and so and so Philemon is is a host home for a church that 's meeting in his house now he had written Paul had written this book about who this guy 's name is onesimus it 's written about Onesimus now Onesimus was a runaway slave, and while he was in slavery, apparently he had never come into a relationship with christ and so he was this guy beforehand. And and we don't know exactly some of the things that maybe he had done, but there's an indication that he possibly had stolen some things from Philemon. This was common among the slaves of this time. They would pilfer things from their masters. And uh, we don't know exactly why he ran. He could have just saw that he had an opportunity to run. He could be running because he had stolen some things and he didn't want to face the the consequences of, of, of getting caught with that. We don't know exactly. It could be that he ran, and I'm speculating on this, Because Philemon came into a relationship with Christ. And maybe now Philemon was beginning to treat people differently. Or maybe he was starting to be nicer in the way that he treated slaves. And so maybe, and I'm just speculating, but maybe Onesimus thought, this is my chance to bolt. This is my time to get out of here. What we do know is that he ran. And when he ran, he somehow came in contact with the Apostle Paul. In Rome, when he ran to Rome to get away and he's running away, he's this fugitive at this point, running away from his past, running away. Somehow he ran into the Apostle Paul. It's very possible that he knew Paul because Paul, again, had been with Philemon and had shared Christ with Philemon. Maybe he went to Paul to appeal for his sake. We don't know exactly. We just know that whenever he came to Paul, Paul did what Paul does best, no matter what his circumstances were. What did Paul do? He shared the grace of Jesus Christ with Onesimus. He said, I want you to know that this is what has changed Philemon's life. This is what has changed and transformed my life. And he said, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're a slave, if you're wealthy, you all need Jesus, is what Paul is trying to say. It doesn't matter who you are. So Onesimus placed his faith in Jesus, and he became a believer. He became a Christ follower. Now today, what what I want to look at today is, is, is looking at our perspective on life and how when we encounter Jesus, how our perspective should begin to change in the way that we see our life around us. When you, when you encounter Jesus in a real way and you've placed your faith in Jesus, you have the opportunity because of the Holy Spirit who dwells within you and you being filled with the Holy Spirit to choose to look at life in a different way. Now what I want to do is, is I want to just, as I asked you this question a few minutes ago, I really want to encourage you to be honest this morning. I want to encourage you in your honesty to just get raw before God and say, God, this is really where I'm at in my walk with you. Or maybe some of you, maybe you've not trusted Jesus as your Savior and you just weren't quite ready just a few moments ago. But how would you be characterized in the way that you look at life? How would you characterize yourself? In your notes, there's some things that I encourage you to kind of look at and we're just going to talk about each one of these. Would you be characterized by this? And if you do, just... Just kind of check this off if this is you. It may, you may be able to check all of them off. I don't know. But would you be characterized by fearful thoughts? Pastor Randy talked about this a few weeks back and how so many of us are driven by fear. And that's how we live our lives. Fear of what's going to happen or fear of what's happening within our life. And that's your outlook on life is that there's no faith in your life. You don't trust God in the midst of it. Maybe you know Jesus as your Savior, but you're choosing not to allow the Holy Spirit to impact your life in the way that you look at life, so you're fearful. Maybe you're fearful about your finances. Or maybe you're fearful about your job and the stability of your job. Or or maybe you're fearful for your health or the health of someone else. But you are fearful in some way where you're characterized by anxiety. You're characterized by being uh, worried about things all the time. Um, Maybe if you're like me, and there have been times in my life where there was nothing good to worry about, where I worried about the fact that I had nothing good to worry about. Are there any other sickies out there like me, okay? Because I'm just, okay, I'm the only sickie. I'm the only one that needs counseling. I don't believe that, okay? And uh, because I know some of us, in our sinful nature, we are prone To worry, right? Now, if that's you this morning, I want you to be honest. Now, um, if you know someone like that, would you just lift your hands up, okay? If you know someone um, that you know, someone like that, okay? Um, But seriously, all right, in all seriousness, if maybe that is you, I want you just in honesty in your notes to say, I could be characterized that way. I'm a very fearful person. I'm a person that's worried all the time. I'm very rarely at peace about things that are happening in my life. Or would you be characterized, and maybe you can check this one as well, along with that one, as one that's characterized by living with negative thoughts all the time? Negative thinking dominates your way of life. You're negative all the time because maybe you're worried about things, or maybe you find the bad in every single thing around you. It could be that you're negative about yourself. Uh, For those of us who struggle with negative thoughts, oftentimes because we're not happy with ourselves. We're not happy about things. We're our own worst critic, and uh, and so we think thoughts like this: "I'm not good enough. I'll never measure up. I'll never make a difference. Everybody else seems to get all the breaks. I can never catch a break." And so we start thinking this way, even as believers. I talk to believers all the time that this is the way that their thinking is: is is that I I, I can't ever I can't ever catch a break. Guy, I can't ever seem to catch a break in any way, or or I wish that my life were different, or I wish that that I was married to somebody else, or, uh, and you better not raise your hand on that one, all right, Or, or I'm worried about my kids, or I'm negative about my kids, I wish I had different kids, or whatever it could be, okay, I don't know how that plays out for you, but some of you this morning, you've been living in a whole lot of negativity, and what it does is it causes your disposition to change, even as a Christ follower, you're negative all the time. You're grouchy with your spouse. You're grouchy with everyone around you. You're grouchy in every single aspect of your life because of all the negativity. That's your perspective. That's your outlook on life is that everybody and everything is against you, is that you have negative thoughts. If that would be you this morning, I want to encourage you, maybe just check that off in your notes if that's you. Now, the next two are a little more uncommon, but some of you may feel this way this morning. Some of you may feel like you are living with hopelessness that there's just not any hope for change. And you're characterized by hopeless thoughts where you're thinking, man, we're always going to struggle financially. We're always going to be this way. I'll never be able to do this, or I'll never break free from this addiction. This is just who I am, and I can't change. There's nothing that's ever going to happen for me that's going to make me someone like Josh Hamilton, who has had his life radically changed by Jesus. That could never happen to me. Maybe you are characterized by hopeless thoughts. could be that that's, a, that's one of your thoughts. Uh, is just hopelessness all the time. And you may even know Christ as your Savior, but you're choosing to live in hopelessness. That things could never be better. That things will never get better. If that's you, I'd encourage you just to check that off. Some of you, maybe this morning, you would say, you know, actually those don't really apply to me so much. I struggle with that from time to time. But here's really more of where I'm at, is that I'm more of one that is characterized by, by peaceful thoughts. I'm kind of one that, that seems to be peaceful in my outlook in life, and, you know, you rarely find me worrying about things. You know, I'm just kind of the person that either God's got this or he doesn't, and I know that he does, and so I, I, I might occasionally have a little wig out session, but not very often, you know. Uh, I never freak out, and when something bad's Uh, going to happen. And it does happen. I'm the kind of person that says, I know God is in control. God's got this. Even when I can't see anything good, I'm still at peace. And maybe this is you this morning. And I want you to, I just want you to know that even among people that know Jesus Christ as their savior right here in the midst of our church, that this is often pretty rare and it shouldn't be. And that's the thing is that it shouldn't be because Jesus is the one that changes everything. He changes our outlook in life. He changes every single thing about the way that we look at life. So if this is you this morning, you say, I'm I'm characterized by peaceful thoughts a majority of the time. I encourage you just to check that off. Today what we're going to do is we're just going to let the Word of God challenge us and minister to us and speak to us about having a changed and transformed perspective on the way that we look at our life. We want to we want to learn to begin to look at life in a different way. Some of us were looking at life in this certain way and if there was anyone who ever understood the importance of life perspective, I want you to know it was the apostle Paul. Paul had his life completely radically transformed by Jesus Christ. You can see that in the book of Acts. But what Paul did was, at one time, Paul was someone who would go about persecuting other Christians, and he hated the Christians, and then he encountered Jesus. Jesus transformed his life, and his outlook on life was transformed. But I want you to know that when he came to faith in Christ, his life did not get easy. It got hard. You'll find that in Paul's letters, many of them were oftentimes written while he was in prison. And these weren't nice little prisons where they got to watch cable TV and stuff, okay? I mean, these were, these were filthy, horrible places where bad things were happening to people all the time. And so oftentimes, Paul, when he was writing these letters, he was in prison for the gospel. Um, you can read some of these letters, and you'll see that Paul describes some of the horrific things that happened to him. He said at one time they had stoned him. They pelted him with large rocks until they thought he was dead. They dragged him outside the city and left him there for dead for the dogs to come along and finish him off. But he wasn't dead, and he got up, and he ended up living through that. The Bible tells us this. Paul talked about that, that uh, he had been imprisoned for and in chains for the gospel. The Bible tells us that he had been scourged. That's hit with these cat-of-nine-tails. He'd been scourged five times, beaten within an inch of his life. The Bible tells us that he had been beaten with rods three times, I mean, this wasn't just some little spanking. I mean, they beat this man within an inch of his life. Now, has anybody in this room ever been on a a shipwreck or anything like that? Anybody ever been shipwrecked? Okay, nobody in this room and nobody in in, in the first service either, all right? Paul had been shipwrecked. But what's interesting is that Paul writes about this, so it's really rare for someone to have been shipwrecked, right? Paul writes that he was not only shipwrecked one time, he had been shipwrecked three different times. He had been bitten by a snake once he swam to, uh, to shore. You read this story and it's like, can anything else bad happen to this man? So if, if anybody understood bad things happening and difficult things happening in their life, Paul certainly, he certainly got, got this. And yet he continued to have this theme continuously throughout his life uh, of a different kind of perspective than probably what many of us would have his perspective was incredible because he saw things through the lens of Jesus Christ. He saw things in an eternal kind of perspective rather than the temporary of what he was encountering at this point. I mean, Paul suffered so much, and what I've learned from the Apostle Paul, and I want you to catch this this morning, is it is very likely that you are going to suffer in this lifetime. And I don't want to water that down for you. You are going to suffer in certain ways in this life because we're in a broken, fallen, jacked up, messed up kind of world with a lot of sin in it, right? And you're going to suffer. Even as a believer, you're going to suffer. But the question for you to consider this morning is, how are you going to suffer through these things? You can either choose to suffer with all this negativity and anxiety and all these other things, or you can choose to suffer well like Paul did. Paul suffered well. He suffered well through the things that were going on in his life. And 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 what you found about Paul was that even when things were at life's worst for him, he was not driven away from God. He seemed to draw closer to God. What we find about Paul is that... now, Now, what happens with many of us when we go through hard times, and we get negative, and we get anxious, and we get grouchy, and all this stuff, and we're not filled with the Spirit of God... What many of us do when life gets hard is we kind of start pushing people away from Christ, right? As believers, uh, it's not very attractive when some of us go through some of the stuff that we go through. But what Paul did, it's like he became more attractive to people who did not know Christ. He became more attractive. Christ became more attractive through him as Paul went through the things that he went through. Question to ask, am I a detriment to the things of God when I face hard circumstances or do I suffer well? Am I one who suffers well? Uh, Do I turn people to Christ because they notice something different within me by the way that I handle things within my life? What about you? What would people say about you? More importantly, what would God say about you when you're in the midst of hard times? Do you suffer well? Are you one that suffers well? Paul, this, this, this key, he knew the key to dealing with hard times and dealing with suffering. Paul understood that the key to this was all in our perspective. And you see, the key to our perspective is all in our faith in Christ. Either God is who He says He is or He's not. Either God is good all the time and in all things, even when we can't see it, or He's not. So Paul believed this, and this is why he could write things like this. Paul knew that the key to the way that we look at our life is the way that we think and that Christ wants to transform our way of thinking when we encounter him in our lives. This isn't our main text, but th- here's just you can see a common thread, a common theme that Paul understood about suffering well. Here's what he said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5. In fact, I'd like you to read this with me out loud. Can we say it out loud together? Say it with me. Paul says this about the thoughts that some of you you're being held captive to some thoughts that you just can't seem to get past. What does he say? That by the power of God's Spirit, you're to do what? You are to, say with me, you are to take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. But what do so many of us do? We let those thoughts hold us in captivity. We let thoughts, I don't know if you're like this, but I'm like this. I get a thought that I can't seem to get past. Maybe someone does something to hurt me or offend me or says something ugly about me or whatever. And by the way, that happens, you know, and you kind of deal with that or you deal with some criticism. And and then and then that thought will just like have saturated my brain. And then it starts driving everything about me. It drives the way that I talk to my wife. It can drive the way that I respond to my kids. It can drive the way that I pastor people within our own congregation because of the way that I start looking at people, maybe with cynicism or things like this. And and I was battling some of this this week. I won't lie to you. I battled some of this. And and I know that it was a test before God to be able to deal with this and to be able to really put into practice what I'm preaching today. These thoughts were waking me up in the middle of the night. Does anybody else have problems with this? Where well, you wake up and you're, maybe you're having that argument with that person in the middle of the night? Sometimes Hope will catch me arguing with the air over here. She's like, who are you arguing with? And I'm like, that's not for you to know, okay? And, uh, but I'm arguing and I'm, I'm saying what I want to say. And, and then I'm like, what am I doing? This is silly, you know? And so this week, I was really struggling with it. And I knew that if I didn't get a hold of this, it was going to affect the way that I was able to come before you this morning and share the truth about God's Word. It was going to affect things. And so this morning, I, or, this, this, or earlier this week, as I was encountering this, and these thoughts were trying to hold me captive. I remember I was actually, I was working out while I was thinking about this stuff and it was just making me mad and sick at my stomach as I was thinking about some of this garbage. And then the thought came into my mind, I have a choice in how I'm going to respond to this. I can choose to respond in God's grace or I can just continue to live in this kind of anger and bitterness and all these kinds of things. I can choose to take Captive, this thought that's trying to hold me in captivity right now. And in the name of Jesus, I take this thought captive. You have that same opportunity. It's something that we have to do on a regular basis over and over again as our minds are barraged by these negative thoughts that come our way. You, by the power of God's grace and by His Spirit, you are empowered and you are in authority to take those thoughts captive. Amen? Aren't you glad to know it? Can I get an amen about that? Because it's true. Okay? And either you believe it or you don't. You are in power. You are in authority because of God's grace to take these thoughts captive. And Paul talks about this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Paul also wrote this, and Pastor Randy preached on this a couple of weeks back. He said, For God has not given us a spirit of, say it with me, church, a spirit of fear. Some of you, you checked off. I am characterized by fear, by anxiety. But but, but what has God given you if you are a Christ follower? He's given you a spirit of what? A spirit of power. A spirit of love. A spirit of a sound mind. And then he also went on to elaborate how the scripture says that a perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love of Jesus casts us out. God's not giving us the spirit of fear. That's not from God. Or these fearful thoughts, or these negative thoughts, or these hopeless thoughts. These things are not from God. So I'm going to take that captive by the power of Jesus Christ. And instead, I'm going to choose to, to, to look at life a little bit differently. If you're, if you're one who's characterized by negativity or worry or anxiety or fear, God wants to do something in your life that could radically transform and change your outlook in life. But you have to choose that. You see, just as He does not choose or, or force you into choosing Him as, as Savior, He doesn't force that upon you. He gives you that opportunity to make that choice about Him, right? He's not going to force you into living this way. It's a choice every day that you wake up with and how you're going to look at life and what you're dealing with. It's a choice that you choose, that you make. He goes on and Paul writes in the book of Romans chapter 8, he says this, he says, now if your sinful nature which that's all that other stuff that we talked about, all that anxiety, all that's all stuff that's rooted in our sinful nature. That's what we're prone to. He says if your sinful nature controls your mind, then what is going to be characteristic of the way that you live? Death. A deathly kind of way of thinking, right? negativity but then he goes on he says but if the holy spirit controls your mind what's made available to us say it with me there is what there is life and then this is made available what do you have peace that's something that's available for you but you have to choose to take that a few moments ago we acknowledged many of us that we're not typically characterized by peace Therefore, we can deduce that for many of us as believers, we are oftentimes still living lives controlled by the sinful nature. That we're living defeated lives instead of victorious lives in Christ in knowing this, that Christ has given us victory over these things. But you know, it's all by choice. It's by choice in how we choose to look at things. And with us, for many, this is something that God really wants to change in your life for your benefit and for your family's benefit. Our key phrase actually comes from the book of Philemon, and and, and I want to give you just a, this, this phrase that we find in the Word of God, and I also want to give you a few takeaways that you can take away from this and apply to your life as soon as you leave this place. Our key phrase comes where Paul says this to Philemon about his outlook, Philemon's outlook on this situation. He says, Philemon, you may be looking at this situation this certain way, but Paul says, you know, maybe you ought to have a different perspective about this. Maybe you ought to begin to look at this a little bit differently. And I want to give you a couple of things just really quick, just some takeaways. If you're taking notes, write this down today. By the power of God and by your opportunity to choose, here's the first thing that you have the opportunity to do is to begin to see the good through the bad. And I'm not saying this doesn't mean that we pretend like there's not any bad around us because you're going through some tough times. You're going through some difficulties. You're going through some some times that maybe you've never encountered before, and you're wondering, how in the world could I ever begin to see the good through the bad? Well, what I want to tell you is that by the power of God's grace in our life, God changes our way of looking at things. God can begin to give us eyes to see the good through the bad. So we look at this story in the letter of Philemon. If you were here last week, you'll remember that Onesimus, this fugitive, this runaway slave, that if he came back, he was going to be vulnerable to Philemon for a couple of possible outcomes in this situation. If he were to come back to Philemon, what was very common in this day, when a runaway slave, would, when they would run off, uh, in some cases, in many cases, they would just be executed if they were ever caught. They'd be executed on the spot. It was to send a message to the other slaves that this is not acceptable behavior. It was an intimidation, uh, intimidation kind of thing. And, and he knew that this was a possibility uh, that's why he was running and he was trying to get away. The other uh, possible outcome, if, if you were lucky and you were a runaway, was that you would just be beaten very severely and you would be branded as a fugitive. And that you would wear that mark as a fugitive and everyone would always see you as a fugitive. And so, so he's facing these these not good possibilities. How in the world could you ever begin to see something good happening in the midst of that, those possibilities? You can only imagine what was going through the mind of Onesimus when Paul began to probably dialogue with him about maybe going back and making things right with Philemon. Can you imagine that conversation that maybe Paul's beginning to talk to him a little bit about this? And he's thinking, are you crazy? Man, I'm finally free. And and Paul's saying, yeah, but if you're ever going to be really spiritually free, then you need to go do the right thing. You need to go take some steps of faith, and what I love about this, what we see is that Onesimus, his—that's uh, hard to say—but his perspective on life was was incredible in this, because what he really did when he went back was he trusted God with the outcome in this situation. This may not turn out good, but I'm going to trust God in this, and, and 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 I'm really glad that Paul has written me a letter to take to Philemon, <laughs> and uh, maybe this will help. So here's this guy, you know, making this choice to go back to this other guy who had not treated him right, who had treated him as a slave, who had the power and the authority to kill him on the spot. And you can imagine all the possibilities of the negative thoughts that he could have been thinking. All these rich guys are the same. They're going to brand me if I'm lucky and beat me. They're probably just going to kill me on the spot, you know. But Paul says this is right. Paul says this is the thing that. Perhaps I should do to make things right with my master here. Now think about Philemon and his perspective on this. If you think about this, Paul was putting him in a precarious situation by asking him to forgive Philemon or asking him to forgive Onesimus. He was putting him in this this difficult situation with other slave owners, which were common. They were everywhere. They were watching. And and if Philemon treated Onesimus this certain way, then he was going to set a precedent. And it may embolden other slaves to revolt against them. And so so, basically Paul says, here's what I want you to do, Philemon, uh, in this letter. I, I want you to show God's grace and His mercy, you know, the same way that God has shown you grace and mercy. I want you to begin to treat this guy differently. I want you to forgive this, side, this guy. And if he's done anything to steal from you or he's sinned against you, what does Paul say? You charge what's on his account, you put it on my account. By the way, isn't that exactly what Jesus has done for us? When we've sinned against him, he says, you take that and you put it on my account. And, and, and Paul is painting this picture to Philemon. He's painting this picture and he's, he's saying, it's, and, and by the way, and I love how Paul says, he says this, and I'm not going to mention this, but by the way, you do owe your very soul, your very life, your eternity to me, because I'm the one that told you about Jesus in the first place. And and, and so and so he's saying, just as you've been forgiven, you need to forgive this guy. And, 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 and you need to step out, and you, you may see it this one way, but your perspective is is that this can be a very, diff, a very different scenario if you choose to live in forgiveness here. And so, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I want you to know that whatever you're dealing with, God can change your perspective. He can change your perspective. You, you may be suffering right now, but I want you to know that through the power of God's grace, you can choose to begin to suffer well. You can suffer well as Paul did. And the the Holy Spirit wants to... Paul says this in Philippians, verse 15 and 16. Uh, Paul begins to say this to Philemon. He says it this way. He says, maybe perhaps you could begin to think of it this way. And maybe that's what the Holy Spirit's trying to say to you this morning about what you're dealing with. Perhaps you could begin to think of this situation this way. Look at verse 15, what he says. He says, perhaps the reason that he was separated from you for a little while, was that you might have him back forever. He's saying he's a changed man now. That could have probably never have happened had this not happened the way that it did. He's no longer just as a slave, but now he's better than a slave. Now he's your dear brother. He's trying to get him to change the way he thinks about him. He's very dear to me, but, uh, but even dearer to you. Both as a fellow man, not a slave anymore. He's not talking to him about about him being a slave. As a fellow man, and as what? As as a brother in the Lord. Paul's saying, I think you ought to change your perspective about the way you see this guy. Change your perspective in this whole situation. You have a choice to to begin to have eyes to see. Things a little bit differently. You may be thinking, man, I don't have eyes to see what's going on. Now, now, let me just ask you real quick. Does anybody in here have new car fever right now? Maybe you've been watching. Anybody? Just be honest. You got new car fever. It's okay. Raise them up. You got new car fever. Have you noticed this? That when you get new car fever, and uh, I appreciate your honesty in admitting that, there's no sin in admitting that, okay? All right? You got the bug right now. And uh, But have you noticed this, that when you start looking around and you know what you want, you come across it, maybe you're looking on websites, and you find the make, the model, the color, and you're thinking, man, that's what I would really like to have. Have you noticed that the very next day when you start driving around and you're going to work, have you noticed that you maybe never saw those cars anywhere before that time that you decided that that was something that you wanted? But have you noticed that now you're starting to see them everywhere? Does anybody else, does that ever happened to anybody else? You see it everywhere. It's like, I never man, there's so many of those around. I didn't realize there were that many around. The truth is, is that they've always been around. You just didn't ever have the eyes to see them. Right? But now you've got. Eyes to see them. You're looking at things a little bit differently. And I want you to know something that your perspective is different. And you should know that no matter what it is that you're dealing with and you're encountering today, even though you can't see this, the goodness of God is still there. You just don't have eyes to see it right now. But it doesn't change the fact that it's still there, even in the midst of something from from our point of view that can't be good god's goodness is steadfast As for some of us we just don't have eyes to see it some of us can choose to to hone in and focus in so much on all the negativity and all the stuff that's wrong around us and it's not that we're not suffering we are we're going through stuff and we can get so distracted by all the stuff that we can't see, we don't have the eyes to see that God is still sovereign, that God is still in control of all things. We often fail to see things the way that God sees them because our perspective is so different than His. You know? Paul writes, and this is not in the book of Philemon, but Paul writes again another common theme, Philippians. We preached through the book of Philippians last year, but he writes in chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, and I want to read this with you, and I want you to hear how much of this is your choice and how you're going to respond. What does he say? He says, always be full of joy in the Lord. Do you know that that's your choice? It's your choice. Every day when you wake up, you can choose to be filled with joy. I'm not talking about happiness where you're happy about everything that's going on because that's all dictated by our circumstances, right? I'm talking about joy no matter what you're dealing with, no matter who you're facing or what you're struggling with. It's a choice. Always be full of joy in the Lord. He says, in fact, it's so important. I'm going to say it again. Choose to rejoice here. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. And then he says, now put life in perspective. You're thinking about things in a temporal way. You've got to think about things in an eternal way as a believer. It changes your perspective. Remember, the Lord is doing what? He's coming soon. And then he tells us this. And I want you to hear all the choices that you have in your response to these things. Don't worry about anything. That's a choice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything just like uh, the man and I were talking he said I've chosen I've chosen I can either worry about all these things we were talking before the first service I I can either worry about all this stuff that's going on but I've realized I I can't do both at the same time either I'm going to trust and I'm going to pray or I'm going to worry it's a choice it's a choice that you choose to make don't worry about anything instead pray about everything tell God what you need now listen to the choice thank him for all that he has done that's a great thanksgiving verse then, then, here's the result you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand, his peace will guard your hearts what will it also guard? your minds the way that you think as you live in Christ Jesus and now, dear brothers and sisters one final thing fix your thoughts on what is true that's a choice Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and have received from me. Everything you heard from me, he said, in fact, you just didn't hear it from me. I'm doing these things. He said, I'm living it out before you. And then what does he tell you? Then the God of peace will be with you. You want that peace? It's all up to you. Because God's made it available to you already. No matter what it is that you're dealing with, it is available to you. You see, the thing is, guys, and we'll just kind of wrap it up with this, is you are going to find in life what you're looking for. You're going to find in life what you're looking for. If you're constantly looking for the bad, I'm going to promise you something. You're going to find it because it's all over the place. If you, are, if you are beginning to ask God, though, today, God, I want to ask you, based upon your power, based upon what I know to be true in your Word, God, that you would begin to change my way of looking at things, and you start to look for the good and the bad, I want to promise you something, that you'll be able to find the hand of God in any situation that you're going through. Now, it may not happen that you see it immediately. It may be a little time will pass where you can look back and see that God was at work. Because he begins to give you the eyes to see, but you're going to find in life what you're looking for. So what's your outlook? Paul says you can perhaps you can begin to think of it this way. Here's the final takeaway. Write this down. By God's power, you can also choose this to begin to see purpose through the pain that you're going through. That it's not meaningless, that God can even take things that we don't understand and and, and because this is who he is, there can be purpose through the pain. Philemon in verse 11, he says, Formerly, talking about Onesimus, he was useless to you. In other words, this is what he used to be before he knew Christ, but now he's been changed. He says, but now he has become useful both to you and to me. Paul's saying, formerly there was a lot of pain here, but now you know that uh, you know, you were upset about all this stuff, but now look at what God's done in this man's life. But you see, the thing is, some of you right now, you're living with this pain that's in your life right now. And you're in this formerly portion of this pain, and the but-now portion is on the horizon. But something that I want you to catch this morning is that you can never get to the but-now portion of this without there being the formerly part of it first. You can never learn to appreciate these things that God can do in your life, and God being able to take things that we can never understand, And begin to see purpose through the pain if there's not the formerly portion of this. You see, what we need to start asking, and we've mentioned this before, instead of asking the so common questions we go through stuff, we ask, why, God? Why, why, why? What God wants to begin to mature you in as a believer is that instead of always asking why, is to begin asking what, Lord? What are you teaching me in this? What is it that you're wanting me to learn through this? Uh, how how is it that God, you're you're wanting to to transform me and change me in the midst of this situation? You see, if you're in the formerly, you need to know that the but now part of that can begin to come when you start thinking in a way that says I'm going to have a different perspective in life because of what Jesus has done. This is something that's made possible for you today. Right now, you may you may be looking at things and you're thinking, man, there's no way I can see anything good in what's happening in my life. You, I mean, you have no idea what I'm dealing with, Pastor Bart. And you're right, I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm dealing with stuff in my own life, and I have a hard time dealing with that. So dealing with your stuff, I don't know that I can do that either. But here's what I want to say in closing, is that as a believer, guys, I believe that there is no sweeter gift of worship and offering that you could bring before God today no amount of money no, no lifting of hands and singing of songs, any of those kinds of things, there's no sweeter gift of offering than when you're in this place of not understanding but you still say God in faith today I still am going to choose to praise you and trust you I want you to know something that that blesses the heart of God this morning but it's a choice that you have What are you going to choose? What's your perspective? Can we just pray together? Let's pray. Lord, I want to ask that you would just minister to us, Lord, in only a way that you can. So with our our heads bowed this morning before the Lord, as you're praying this morning, I, I just want to ask you a couple of questions, and I just want you to be honest before God. Some of you, like myself, we can have a tendency to live in worry and doubt and fear and kind of be conquered by these kinds of thoughts and negativity. I'm grateful that God has been changing that within me, that He's been challenging me, He's been growing me. I'm not perfect in it, but but I'm definitely different than I used to be. Some of you, that's right where you are, and you've been you've just been living a defeated life, and as a believer, and and you would say, I'm just so ready pastor bart i'm ready for god to do something extraordinary in my life to change the way that i see the stuff that's going on around me through the holy spirit's power i know i can't do it i've tried i've failed on my own but i just need god to do something supernatural in my life uh, to where i can begin to just see things from a different perspective would you just pray with me about that this morning if that's you and you just say pastor would you just pray with me today about that would you just lift your hands up this morning i just want to pray with you i want to pray for you today God bless you. I want to thank you for your honesty. There may be some of you this morning that you would say, and maybe you're also. You raised your hand, and you'd fall in this category too, and you would say, you know, uh, there are some of you that you're kind of in the formerly stage of that life right now, where just everything's really hard and painful right now. And what I want to encourage you to do is to trust God this morning, right here, right now, like you never have before, and know this: that someday, hopefully sooner than later you're going to begin to see the but now come about in your life. You'd say today that you need that touch from God in this hard time, His peace and His comfort. Would you just lift your hands up this morning and say, pray with me, Pastor Bart, because I also fall in that category. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty today. I just want to pray for you, and then we're going to be done this morning. Lord, I I just want to thank you, Lord, for these who have lifted their hands before you. I thank you for every person that's here. I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the hope that it gives us, no matter what we're dealing with. God, I pray for these who have acknowledged that their thought life is not completely pleasing to you. Lord, they've been struggling with negativity and worry and hopeless thoughts. And I pray today, Father, that you would set them free from this way of thinking. Lord, renew our minds. Show us when these thoughts begin to creep in that, Lord, by your power that we can take them captive, we can make them obedient to Christ. Lord, teach us that life is all how we choose to see it. Now, Father, for those that are in this most difficult part of their life, Lord, they are hurting this morning and they are suffering. I pray, Lord, that today or one day soon, Lord, they'll begin to be able to see the good through the bad. And, Lord, that you can take a situation, Lord, because of who you are, you can bring good in any bad, Lord. Lord, you didn't bring the bad upon us, but, Lord, because of who you are, you can bring the good through the bad, Lord, that, that they will begin to be able to see the purpose of, in their struggle, in their pain. Lord, give them what they need right now, and that is a sense of Your presence, a sense of Your hope and Your peace. And I pray, Lord, that that in their faith, and even if it's faith as small as a mustard seed, Lord, today that You would just continue to bless them, encourage them, and inspire them, Lord, to keep pressing through this. God, give them what they need today to see that You are enough for them today. And I lift us up in the name of Jesus our Savior, in all God's people said, Amen. Well, amen. Thanks for coming today. Why don't you stand with me? I appreciate you being here. And uh, uh, and we just pray that you go in the Lord's grace today. If you need somebody to pray with you, we'll be down here at the front. There'll be some of us who would be glad to pray with you. Go in God's grace. We'll see you next time. A choice and thank Him for all that He's done. Boy, oh, that's a good Thanksgiving passage right there. Thank Him for all that He's done. And now He here's the result. Then you will experience God's, say it with me, church, what? His, His peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will, this will do this. It will guard your heart, your mind, as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Here's another choice. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and have received from me. And he says this, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Paul says, I'm not just telling you to do this, man. I'm living it. He says, you've seen this going on. And now, say the last part with me. What's the result again? Say it with me, church. Then the God of peace is going to what? He's going to be with you. Do you realize all those things are choices that you can make? You have a choice on what your perspective in life is going to be like. The bottom line is this, is that you will find in life what you're looking for in life. You can either be like a buzzard, and what's a buzzard looking for when he's, going, when he's flying around? He's looking for something dead and stinky and decay, right? Very negative, very negative. Or you can be like a little hummingbird. What is a little hummingbird? That, that was nice, wasn't it? What is a hummingbird looking for? What's he flying around He's looking for the sweet things in life. Y'all want to see me do that again, don't you, right? Okay? That's what He's looking for. It's all in your perspective. I'm glad we don't have cameras going on right now. So, so what I want to encourage you to do this morning is to begin to ask God with what you're dealing with. Start right now saying, God, would you change my perspective? I'm not asking you to change this thing although I'd love it if you would, but if you're not going to right now, at least, God, change my perspective. I'm going to encourage you to do that this morning. I've got to wrap this up because we're out of time. Paul says to Philemon, Philemon, perhaps you can think of it this way. What he's saying to you this morning, what the Holy Spirit is saying is, perhaps you can begin to think of it this way. Paul said, think on things that are true. Take captive every thought, things that are honorable, things that are right things that are pure, things that are lovely. He says, get your mind off of all this negative garbage. Quit quit locking in as you normally would do. What your sin nature is prone to do is to worry and to fret and to not live in faith. He's saying the Spirit of God makes it possible for that not to happen in your life anymore. But that's a choice. It's a choice that you make. Here's the final takeaway real quick. And I don't have time to elaborate much on this, but I want to give you the notes. And here's here's what you... You can choose to do is to see the purpose through the pain. To see the purpose through the pain. In verse 11 of Philemon, he says this, and we read this list last week. We spent a lot of time on these two words, formerly and but now. I know it's three words, but there's two phrases, okay, in the Greek. Formerly, pote, and but now, tanun. These different words. He says, formerly, this is what he was like. He was useless to you. Formerly, this is what it was all about. There was a lot of pain. But now he says, Philemon, but now it's different. He's useful. He's living up to his name. By the way, Onesimus, the, the word actually means useful. Formerly, this is what was going on, and you couldn't see the good in this situation, but I want to encourage you to see the purpose through the pain that you're dealing with in this seri- this serious situation but now it's different and some of you right now you're living with no doubt you're living with some pain you're in the formerly part of the pain right now the but now portion has not come yet for you formerly but now some of you are in this formerly check this out though you can't you can't listen you can't have the but now portion of that without the formerly portion happening first are you with me You never get to this sweet side of watching what God has done until you've gone through some garbage. Until you've made it and you've saw the purpose through this pain that you're encountering. You never get to this part over here until you have to pass through some of this pain first. We learn in the book of James, we learned in Philippians as we study through these books. What is God trying to do with each and every one of us? He's trying to grow us up to be more like his son Jesus. He's more interested in our holiness than he is our happiness. Happiness is great, but listen, that's that's fleeting. Joy is lasting. Happiness is all about your circumstances. Joy is is no matter what your circumstances may be. That's the kind of stuff that we want. So here's what you want to do. Instead of asking what we're all prone to ask is this question, why? Why me, God? Why? What you want to start asking is this, what? What? What are, what are you trying to teach me through this? What are you trying to do in my life through this? What are you trying to show me? Uh, Lord, I want to start seeing with your eyes now. I'm living in the formerly portion of this now, and I don't get it, God. I can't see it. And, you, and I'm just going to tell you this. You may not see it for some time now. It may not happen for years till you begin to see uh, the but now portion. And I'm not trying to discourage you. I just want to be real with you. So what, what is... What is that thing in your life right now that, that you can't see, but what you're going to do is you're going to make a sweet offering as we leave here in just a minute. You're going to make a sweet offering before God because I think there is no greater form of worship than when we don't have all the answers to everything but where we in faith come before the cross and we say, I don't get all this, Lord. I don't understand it, but, but here is my worship for you today. I'm going to lay this down at your feet and I'm going to trust you. This is what I'm going to do. You've got a choice in your perspective in life this morning. You can either leave it here with Jesus, take captive those thoughts, or you can just continue to live a life that is not characterized by faith. And I want you to know you're missing what God has for you. He wants to change your life in this area. Let's pray together. Lord, I just uh, I want to ask that you would minister to us in only a way that you can do today. And, as our, as our heads are bowed this morning, as you're praying this morning, I want to ask you three questions, and I want you to be very honest. Some of you, like I, can find myself so often have a tendency to live in worry and doubt and fear and negativity. And I just want you to know God's been working on me in this area, and He's been changing me to begin to see the good and the bad. Some of you, you've been living in this way for some time now. And God is saying, I, I want to I change your life in this area. you got to let me. You've got to choose to receive this. If you'd say, Pastor, I need God to help me change my way of thinking about things I'm going through this morning. If that's you this morning, would you just would you just lift your hand up and I want to pray for you here in just a minute. Just pray with me, Pastor Barr. Pray with me. I just want to bring this before God this morning. This is definitely a problem in my life. I want to just say thank you for your honesty. Thank you for that. God honors that kind of honesty this morning before Him. Some of you, you're living in the formerly stage of life right now and you're in a very difficult and painful time in your life. What I'm going to ask you to do today is to, in faith, trust God like you've never had before and know that someday, hopefully sooner than later, you're going to see the but now part of this come about in your life. If you'd say that you need to touch from God in this hard time in your life to strengthen your faith, you say, I just need more faith right now, would you just lift your hands up too? I want to pray for you too. And it may be some of the same folks who lifted their hands at first. I want to pray for you. Let me just, can we just pray about this? Let's take this to Jesus. Lord, I just pray for these people that have lifted their hands before you right now, Lord. You love each and every one of them, Lord. Your your mercy and your grace is made new to us every day. As we were singing today, I was just rejoicing about your kindness over us. I pray, Lord, for these who have acknowledged that their thought life is not completely pleasing to you right now, Lord. They've been struggling with living in this negativity and this worry and these hopeless thoughts. And I just want to pray right now, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit the risen Savior Jesus Christ, that you would set them free from this way of thinking, Lord. Lord, renew our minds. Lord, show us when those thoughts creep in and we and, and we begin to uh, let them dominate our thought life. Lord, show us through your power. We, can, we are able to take captive these thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Lord, teach us, Lord, how to do that. We cho- And teach us, Lord, to, to choose to see that you are at work even even Lord when we can't tangibly touch that or see that Now for those Lord I want to pray for those that are in the most difficult part in their life I pray that either today or one day soon that those who are struggling will see the good through the bad Lord that they will see the purpose in their pain and I pray that you would just come alongside them in such a tender way to minister to them in their time of need And, Lord, give them just Your hope, Your peace. I pray that their faith, Lord, and it may be very small, but, Lord, You said if we have faith as small as a mustard seed, Lord, it's pleasing before You. I pray, Lord, that You would just encourage their hearts today, that You'd minister to them in their time of need, Lord, that that You would increase their faith, and, Lord, that they would trust in You and ultimately, Lord, go stronger in this trying time that they're facing. I pray, Lord, that as they go through this, that Your presence would just... Would just simply be enough, Lord, that you would be enough for them? And I lift these things up before you, Lord, in the powerful name of Jesus, our Savior. And everybody said, Amen.